we have been wrestling with a question. And it's an important question. It's a question that was important before COVID, and it's even more important after COVID. Does church really matter? And we've been walking through this, and we, we began with the idea that Jesus said he's going to build the church. That it is his movement. He's the one that is, is the energy behind it. He's the motivation behind it. He's the power behind it. It's his mission that we get to jump in on, be a part of. And then we went into this section in 1 Corinthians that we've been in the past two weeks and we're going to be in again, where Paul, one of the followers of Jesus, one of the guys that went around and helped set up churches, and this was very important to him because he went around most of the known world helping set up churches and planted churches and spread the gospel that way. He gives a unique metaphor for church. And he describes it as the body. And we began that next week by talking about how we're connected together the same way that a body is connected together. And when a body is at odds with itself, we call that a disease. But a healthy body is connected and it's vibrant and there's life-giving. And to be disconnected from the body is to be dismembered, is to be cut off and no longer of use and no longer with life-giving source to it. And then last week, we talked about how the body's been designed by God and put together and that you have been given gifts. And you've been giving things that may seem like talents to you. They may seem like interest to you or passion. But you've been equipped by God's Spirit with gifts that God intended for you to share with this local body. And we challenged everybody to begin reflecting on what is your gift and how are you sharing it. That's one of the reasons we're doing the call for volunteers today. Because we believe that everybody needs to be sharing that gift as a part of this body. Because you've got gifts that God wants you to share. And how are you going to do those? Well, to do this, we've been framing this out with what you've seen with this. Is our, we call it our discipleship triangle, our spiritual formation triangle. And the, that one week we talked about being connected to the body. That was the with one another portion of it. And living on mission was sharing your gifts. And now we're going to move to that top of that triangle. We're going to go back into this passage by Paul and in 1 Corinthians 12, where he talks about what it means to be in Christ. And this is a metaphor where Paul picks up multiple times in his writing. And I'm going to show you each of these scriptures where he talks about this and what it means to have Christ as the head of the church and why that matters about church. So... And if you're looking for these passages, these passages are also available at westernhills.church. and encourage you to go there. But as we've done each time, if you would, hear the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we are all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, 
it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? The whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God's placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church first apostles, second prophets, and third teachers. And he ends that you are the body. You're the body of Christ. And this metaphor is so powerful when he keeps describing you're the body, you're the body, you're the body. And we talked early on how it's different when you say you're a body because that makes connection not optional, but a necessity, right? Once again, you can't be cut off from that. And then what he says in this part, he says, and this is the body of who? The body of Christ. So it's not just any kind of affiliation, but it's an actual entity that we're invited to be part of, be connected in such a way. And whose is this body? It's Jesus' body. That we are living out and coming to form in real time, in the real world, in this time and space. And he picks up on this metaphor again and again. So this is not just a one-off for Paul. Because he writes other places. Let me show you another place where he writes it. In Colossians. And if you just want to make a reference to these, um, you can. Because I'd love for you to go back and read these later. But in Colossians chapter 1, starting verse 15. The Son, this is a reference to Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. Now remember, he's, Paul is talking about how supreme Jesus is. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. That's key. And he's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So then everything, he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all this fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Now, do you understand what he does there? He makes this point of Jesus is supreme. He's the firstborn of all. All things were created by him and then at the end, he makes the point, all things are reconciled, all things are made right through him, and he has a body, and it's the church. So, Paul is linking 
us into this redemptive work of what Jesus did on the cross. And he says, Jesus made with his physical body the sacrifice. Now we are his body and all things are being made right through that. Because Jesus is the head of the church. Now, we have to really think about that. Because that's not something we can say lightly. Because when we say Jesus has church, it's his church. Therefore, it's not my church. It's not your church. It's not somebody else's church. Now, I know we may refer to it as, I love my church. That's not what I'm getting at. What it means is, though, I'm not in charge. I don't get to call the shots of what the church is going to be like. It's not my priority list. And if you go back to the idea of the metaphor of the body, it's just right there plain as day. We may overlook it, but if we're part of an organization, then we all get the idea that, yeah, I've got something to say about where we're headed, and I've got something to say about what's going on, and I've got my preferences. But he says, no, we're a body. And the body, the head, doesn't poll the body parts to see what's going to happen. Back in September, I ran my one and only marathon. And I'm pretty sure it will be my only marathon. But halfway through that, if I had pulled my feet, they're like, this is far enough. We have the technology called cars. Let's get in one and ride. But it wasn't my feet that got to make the choice. The head makes the choice. Makes the decisions. Now, the head pays attention. Look at this. Pays attention when the different parts of the body hurt. Right? And so, this isn't some authoritarian Jesus thing where he stands up top and no matter what's going on in your life, Jesus doesn't care. He just says, hey, I'm the head. No, my head engages very much when my feet or my arms, my fingers or whatever hurts, just like the one that oversees the church. When you hurt, know that the head of the body is concerned. And then what he does is he directs all of us that are part of the body to pay attention to that part of the body and to care. So this is another place where Paul uses this. This is found in the book of Ephesians. These are all letters. Letters Paul's writing to the church. Ephesians 4.15 says this, Instead, speaking the truth in love, and if you circle things, I want you to circle in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head that is Christ. Speaking the truth in love. Love is the marked characteristic of the body of Jesus. That, that distinguishes from any other organization because we're the ones that are going to display the love of Jesus. We're going to speak truth and we're going to speak love. And we're going to hold those together. Why? Because Jesus was able to hold on to both of those. And that should be the distinguishing mark of who we are. So, not based on my whims, not based on yours. And in fact... If you're here today or you're watching this and you may have a real 
bad story with church in your history. You, you may have say, I was a part of a church and it became abusive. Or they told me I didn't fit there anymore. I didn't belong there anymore. For whatever the reason, you've got a story because lots of us have these stories where we had a church and we thought we were part and something went sideways and it left a scar. And once again, when the body separates, that's why it leaves a scar. That's what happens. I, I don't know all the details of your story, but I do know this. I know if that's part of your experience and you walk into any church now, including this one, and you've got the defenses up and your radar's going because you're like, I am not going to get burned again, at least know this, that what you were a part of and what you experienced was a church that forgot that Jesus is the head of this body. And when we get confused on that, it gets bloody, Right? It gets messy. And that's why we call it wounds at that point. So I'm going to give you a thesis statement, and then I'm going to tease it out with, I don't know, five or six ramifications of does the church really matter. So here's my thesis statement for this. Will the church matter? The church will only matter if it's the church of Jesus, if it's his body and he's the head. Any other organization is going to be short-lived. Anything else that even just kind of props Jesus up, sort of a figurehead, but nothing else, is not going to matter ultimately. And whatever, whatever illusions we had before we went through quarantine, before we went through all that, all that's been stripped away. And that's actually a blessing. And now we get to wrestle with the question, will Jesus be the head? And will we be his body? And if it is, then the question is not, does it matter to us? The question is, does it matter to the world then? Because we just answered the question, will it matter to us? But will we have a voice in the world? Well, the, our world and our culture that's looking for something to believe in, will we matter to the world? And if you want to write these down, this is not an exhaustive list. But I'm going to give you, I think, five or six that are at the top of my heart as I was praying and preparing for this, on what it's going to matter, if we're going to matter to the world, if we're going to be relevant to the world to bring this message of Jesus to them, here's some things. And so if you want to follow along with these, you can. Verse 1, the church will matter if we can be a non-anxious presence in culture. If we can be a non-anxious presence. Anxiety is the buzzword of 2020, right? All of our anxieties went up in 2020. You may have been worried about your physical health. You may have been worried about your financial world. You may have been worried about family members. You may have been worried about what the future is going to hold. But if you did not experience a little rise in anxiety in 2020, you were asleep, okay? But our culture's anxiety shot through the roof, right? I mean, it became the currency that we dealt with. The church is going to matter if we're the people that can have a non-anxious presence in the world. Not because we blind our eyes to what reality is. But because we're the ones that we know there's a bigger story going on. We're the ones that know that Jesus was laid in the tomb and then walked out. And that's the power by which we live our lives. 
Not that we don't face the same realities that anybody else does, but that we know that this is not the whole story and that there's a resurrection power that we're connected with because Jesus is the head of the church. And if we can present that, there's a model that the world needs to see. Second one's this. The church will matter if we will bear witness to a less distracted way of life. And we are so distracted. We are so busy. We are running a million miles in a hundred different directions all at the same time. Go, 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 go. But where's the group of people in the middle that's going to say, there's something at stake here. There's something that we need to slow down for. That we need to come and we need to spend some time just in the presence of the one that we serve. That's one of the reasons that I love the fact that we do communion every week. Because it is a chance to slow down in the business of life and for a few moments just be. Just be. And reorient ourselves to what is ultimately important. Because the world's going to offer up endless number of distractions. And as soon as movie theaters went down, we streamed it right on live. You know, so... We have it coming right to our phones. But a chance to bear witness to a less distracted way of life. And so we're not pursuing all the number of notifications that we're receiving. But some core essential things that are actually life-giving. Third way. Church will matter if we stand against the consumeristic evaluation of people's worth. We live in a world that wants to identify everybody with some label, with some identity, with some value proposition. There's got to be, and we are called to be, a group that says we no longer will play that game. We will no longer judge you by anything else the world judges you by, and we won't judge you by what value do I think you bring to me. What can I get out of you? But we will look through the lens of the world that's redeemed by Jesus. Once again, it's his church. It's his body they're trying to be. And so we look with the Jesus eyes. And everywhere we see somebody that Jesus was willing to die for, we see immense, immeasurable value. Not based on what I get out of it not based on how it helps me, it moves my position forward, but we start seeing the world through a different set. And I'm going to tell you, the world desperately needs this right now. The the world desperately needs some group willing to say, there's a different way, there's a different approach, and we're not going to value just based on what we can get from you. Next one. The church will matter if we will bear witness across racial lines. Ties right into the last one. This is why it's so important and so critical, and I, and I believe God breathed what we've been doing with our brothers and sisters over at the Avenue G Church, is that in the world where, where the racial tension just seems to keep going higher and higher and higher and higher, that there's a group of people that believes the gospel is bigger than the racial walls that try to divide us. 
Now, this was core to what Paul was trying to say in Corinthians. Because when Paul is saying you're connected like a body, he is speaking specifically to two groups that make our racial division look small, honestly. He was talking to Jews and to Gentiles, the non-Jews. And you could not find a more hostile group to one another in the first century anywhere. Because the Jewish people had lived with their entire life, their entire history. We are the chosen ones by God. We know what it means to worship God. We worship God right. I know none of you have ever been a part of church. We've ever said, you know, we worship God right. And the Gentiles come along. And they have a completely different... They come out of pagan practices, not some church down the street... Pagan practices. They were worshiping idols with all kinds of sexual practices considered worship. And for a Jewish person to sit down and have a meal together, talk, think about the Passover. The Passover meal is a form of worship. The whole thing's a church service, basically. And you've got the Gentiles coming in and their previous experience was a meal is it's a party. I mean, can you imagine that trying to blend those two worlds? And yet Paul, for Paul, it's like, if this doesn't happen, then the gospel's useless. There, there's no reason to believe in the gospel. If it cannot overcome these walls, we've got to be this people that speak that the gospel is bigger than any racial barrier that separates us. That's why Paul again and again says, you are one body. And he makes no bones about that. Next. We're a family to those without a family. To each other, we're a body. To those that are here, we're connected like the body, but now to the world to our community, to our culture. We need to be a family to those without a family. We're, we're the ones that reach in to whether it's in a poverty situation, a disenfranchised situation, to a, to a single mom considering aborting her child, that we become a family there and we step in and we fill the gap in the places where people without family, without what that means... That we, we don't simply get on the right side of an issue. But we step in and we become that family. You know, I, I visit with so many of you that, that you grew up, and this is in several of the men that I've talked to, you've grown up, you grew up without a dad, but part of your story is, and there was that man at church that became my dad. He stepped into that, and he changed my life forever. It's that stepping into that place. And whether this takes place next door or across town or whatever it is, wherever we encounter somebody, that for whatever reason, their family is broken apart, their family has failed them. Their family has, has walked away, turned their back on them, that we step up and we become the family to those without family. 
Because Jesus had this incredible way of always reaching out to those that were on the outside, didn't he? He, he would sit down and have a conversation at a well with a woman that had such a scandalous sexual past that everybody in town knew about it. And yet, when she made eye contact with him, there was something about that, and he invited her into being a part of God's family. That she was so excited that she ran back into town, told everybody, and you can just imagine the crowd that would gather around, and she says, I've met somebody, and he told me everything that I ever did. You need to come see him. And I bet you there's people in the crowd that probably thought, did he name names? But she found family all of a sudden. And Jesus did that again and again and again and again. And my question is, as the body of Christ, can we do anything else but that? So here's the last one. The church will matter if we both proclaim and live the gospel message. The church will matter if we proclaim, we preach, and we teach the gospel message. But you need to understand the gospel message is not simply, here's the roadmap to heaven. It is not simply Jesus' rescue plan. The gospel message is life transforming here and now. So we proclaim it. We do not back off of the truth of it. We hold it up boldly. And we live it boldly. Because remember, a body is alive. A body moves through time and space. And we've got to live it out before this world. So I'll leave you with this verse. 1 Corinthians 1, 2, and 3. And I want you to look what Paul does here in this verse. Okay, He says... To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Paul is saying to this church, and if you know anything about the Corinthian church, they were a mess, okay? At this church, they had division. They had racial division. This body, to become a part, maybe you haven't yet, and we'd love to be there. I'd love to talk to you. You can come find me. I'll be standing down front while we sing this next song. Let's stand and let's worship, please.